Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Oh, it's good to come to the house of the Lord and feel the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I know it's a little warm in here. We had a couple units go down on us. But uh, thank you for uh, just weathering through it. Thank God it's cool outside. How many of you walked out and saw it? That's beautiful. What a beautiful. It's gorgeous. So it's beautiful. The Lord's given us this wonderful day to just worship Him. And He knew it. He knew it. And that's why I'm just encouraged this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles with me. I'm going to switch over here, Austin. Take your Bibles with me. I want you to go to a couple places. First, I want you to go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 23. I want to read that verse of Scripture because it's so important, and the Lord has just had this upon my heart for the last several weeks. And then I want you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. So Psalm 37 and John 14. You want to start there, take your Bibles or your device, whatever you're using this morning. I want us to open up the Word of God. So let me just pray before we even read the Scriptures that the, God, that the Lord is just going to show us what He wants us to hear this morning. And I believe this morning, church, that you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged at what I have to say this morning. Amen? Father, I pray that you take every word that I say. Lord, from my lips to their ears, Lord, I pray that, God, that you would anoint, Lord, and, and, and let every word, Lord, not fall Lord God, upon fallow ground, but may it fall upon ground, Lord, that is ready and open, Lord, to grow the seeds of the gospel. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for your word that never fails, never returns void. Encourage your people today and encourage this church, Lord, as we continue to follow you and to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 37, verse 23, you could probably quote it. It says, For the steps... Of a good man or a righteous man, that word is righteous, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, being the Lord, delights in his, the man's way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Why don't we say that together? You can say good or righteous, it doesn't matter. But let's all say that out loud together in a very strong voice. Are you ready? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Let's say it again. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Where are you going? You're taking steps in your life every day. But my question is, where are you heading? What is your destination? I just want to tell you, you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. But where are you going? Where are your steps going? Well, the scripture here in Psalm 37 says the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It's a promise that God has said that when he went that he will order our steps but there is a contingency the contingency is that they are the steps of a what a good a righteous a holy man a man who is following the precepts and the commands of the lord 
If you will be righteous, if you will follow Him, if you will be good, then I will order your steps. What an incredible promise, my friends. As you go about your day every day, Monday through Friday, and then having fun on Saturdays and coming to church on Sundays, that every step that you take, every step you take, every moment you move forward, every step you take, as the song says, every move you make. You were waiting for that. He's ordering your steps. He's not just watching you. He's ordering your steps. What, a cre- what an incredible promise. But the question is, where are your steps leading you? Well, if you're following Jesus, there's only one way that you're going to go. Because his steps are ordering you in this life right into the presence of God. He ordered our worship this morning and walked us right into his presence promise that he's made to us but the question is where are we going where is our life leading us people think that there's so many destinations in life well you know i want to be a businessman and if you want to be a businessman then you're going to go to school and you're going to learn how how to be a businessman or you're going to buy a company and start it off or i want to be a plumber well you got to go take steps to to get to to learn to be a plumber and become a journeyman and then do all those things to learn what all it takes. Oh, I, well, I, you know, I, I want to get married one day. Well, you're going to have to take some steps to get there. You're going to have to actually go out on a date every once in a while. It's going to take a little bit to get married. I mean, you've got to develop a relationship. You want to get place. You want to go somewhere. If you're going somewhere, you have to take steps to get there. And you have to point your life into a direction that's going to take you to that destination. You have to... You have to point yourself toward your destination. Because if you don't, you'll never get there. Your destination will determine your direction. Your destination will determine your steps. If you are destined to live a righteous, good, holy life, then your direction and your steps will be ordered. Are you with me here? Do you understand that? Your direction determines your, your, your destination determines your direction. Now, let me just give you a side note here. That your direction and your destination will determine the problems that you face in your life. You choose where you get to go. But in your journey to get there, it will be the problems you face because you chose to go that way. You chose to go toward that direction. And, and, and because I'm going that direction, there's some valleys that I will have to cross. There's some mountains that I'm going to have to climb. And it's determined because I've chosen to go that way and not that way. Because if I go that way, it's just flat and easy and plain and it's just simple. But when I go that way, there's something on the other side of that valley. There's something on the other side of that mountain. Are you with me? See, your destination and your direction determine the problems that you will have encounter in your life. But if you don't want to see what's on the other side of the mountain or across the valley or on the other side of that river or on the other side of that ocean, then you can choose to go this way. Your destination will determine your direction and both of them will determine the problem that you face. That's my message today. 
My message is the question, if you know where you're going, and if your goal is to see God, then my, my friend, heaven is your home. Heaven is your destination. If you've chosen to see Him, if you've chosen to follow Him, then your home is in heaven. This is not your home. This is not all there is, my Christian friend. This is not the end of the road. So this morning, what I want to do is, real quickly, I'm going to take you on a tour through heaven. I'm going to walk you through this beautiful place that once you have the opportunity to lay your eyes upon, you will never change your destination. You're going to want to be there. You're going to want to see it. I want to be like a, a travel agent handing you a brochure. I just want to whet your appetite enough that you're going to say, you know what, that right there is where I'm going to go. And that's my hope, that everybody in this room someday will experience what heaven really is. So I want to describe to you what heaven is like. John chapter 14, verse 1. The disciples are stressed out. Because they're just living life. They've forgotten something important. John 14 verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. And if it were not so... I would have told you. So now I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not just going to give you a new address. I'm going to set a place at the table for you. I am preparing everything. There is a place that you have, my friends, that you have not taken up residence in, that you have not set in the chair yet, but there is a place of a direction that you are going. If you're following Jesus, my friends, it is the destination, and that destination is the Father's house. It's where Jesus is preparing the place for you and for me. He tells these disciples, he says, fellas, I'm leaving. And they say, Master, where is it that you're going? He said, well, listen, where I'm going, you can't get there yet. And then they ask the question, and it's a great question that they ask. How will we know how to get there? We need to know something about this place. Lord, tell us about this place. And here's what Jesus' reply was. He says, I can't believe you guys haven't got this yet. You should know this a little better than you do now. I just want you to know, fellas, if you'll keep following me the way you have walked with me down these dusty roads around Jerusalem and around Samaria and through Judea and up to the Sea of Galilee, if you'll just keep walking with me like you're doing now, my friends, guys, Peter, James, John, boys, you're going to get to the place that I prepared. Just keep on following just like you are. Don't get nervous. Don't get anxious about life. Don't get worried about all the things that are going on around you. If you want to be able to find me, just keep following me. And that's what he says. So this morning, the Bible lets us know on what we need to know about heaven. And I'm going to give you seven things real quick. 
The first thing that you need to know about heaven is you need to know what will not be there. Everybody say, it won't be there. You need to know what will not be there. The first thing that you need to realize is what will not be there. Revelation chapter 21, the scripture says, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Friends, let me tell you something. What will not be there? There will be no more sickness. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more diabetes. And no more cancer. There will be no more arthritis. There will be no more back pain. There will be no more ICUs or children's hospitals. There will be no more funeral homes. Praise God. You won't see those things when you get to heaven. I praise the because we have a new body when we get there not just a new body we have a new name we have a new mansion we have a new place at the table a new wine and we'll sing a new song worthy is the lamb that was slain hallelujah there's things that won't be there sickness and pains one of them there's also something else that won't be there won't be any suffering there there won't be any suffering there won't be any poverty people going without there won't be any more abuse. There won't be any more children being neglected. Why? Because Jesus said in Isaiah 53, For I was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Jesus is saying, The first time you saw me, I came and I suffered for you. But the next time you see me, we're going to celebrate because that stuff is going to be gone. There won't be any suffering when you get to heaven. Somebody say amen. There's not going to be any more sin in heaven. <laughs> Thank God our world is filled with it. This curse of sin that lays upon every man, woman, child, grandmother, grandfather. Our culture is full of it. Sin doesn't do anything but produce death. As Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Sin produces no, no long-lasting Effect except for death. Every soul in this room, every person driving up and down the street out front, every person in this city and around this world has been cursed by this curse of sin. There won't be any sin when we get to heaven. It won't be allowed to enter. That curse will be done away with. One pastor, he said... You can't live wrong and die right. Because anyone, as James says, who knows to do good and does not do it, he sins. You can't carry that with you. There's one thing that I know that it's certain will not be in heaven, and that is the curse of sin. I don't care if our culture is filled with it. I don't care that our, that our society demands a gospel that's a little bit light, that's brotherly and breezy and filled with flowery love, that's tolerant and convenient and that it's calm and, and where a gospel that's preached where nobody gets offended because it doesn't, it doesn't challenge anybody. We live in a culture where sin is laughed at and it's dismissed and where people scoff at the thought that God will destroy it one day. But my friend, 
sin every day that this nation lives in this moral cesspool of casual sex and pornography and drugs and violence and suicide and hate and then the, the lesser things of greed and lust and, and lying, all those lesser fouls. You know, let me tell you something. Sin may thrill for a while, but it kills in the end. It, fa- it doesn't just fascinate for a moment. It will assassinate your soul. Sin will not enter there. One person once said, it will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you and destroy you. And sin will keep you out of heaven. I said, sin will keep you out of heaven. In heaven, what will not be there is sin. Death, sickness, suffering, it won't be there. But sin will not enter because the only thing that will enter there is the life and the person whose life is covered by the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. The cure for sin is Jesus. And it'll get you into heaven through the blood. I thank God for it. The second thing that you need to know about heaven is how few will actually go there. Listen to me. Heaven is an expansive place. It is an enormous place. Heaven is a place that is huge. But hear this. Its size is not the determining factor of its capacity. The size of heaven is not the determining factor of its capacity. Contrary to what most people in our world today believe this morning, not everybody is going to heaven. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. What's surprising about heaven that's contrary to our current cultural belief and cultural norm is how few will actually be there. Matthew chapter 7 goes on in verse 22. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name we drive out demons and perform many miracles. In verse 23, the most, the scariest verse I believe in Scripture. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You might say today, well, pastor, I thought being forgiven of my sin is easy. Can I tell you? It is. Because there's nothing that you have to do on your part except to receive the gift of forgiveness and grace upon you. Receiving a gift, receiving that grace, that's easy. So the question is, is why does Jesus say that narrow is the way and that it's not easy? That not very many find it. It's because of what James chapter 2 tells us in verse 17. 
that in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, it is dead. In other words, faith without works, without applying it to your life, without living it, without walking it, faith that you know about is dead if it does not accompany actions. You can sit here on Sunday morning and hear me preach or go to Sunday school or go to every uh, uh, small group that we have. You can listen to Christian radio. You can listen to every popular preacher in town and everyone on the Internet. But my friend, if you don't walk the path of the Word of God, you, my friend, will not... Enter heaven because you have not applied your faith into work to walk it out, to live it out, and to see heaven on walking that journey, that destination. You've got to set your compass in that direction. You've got to live like you're going to heaven. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they're not living like they're going in the right direction. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can put a name on them. Well, I attended church. Well, good for you. Cows go to barns. Drunks go to bars. Live like the place you're going. You've got a destination. Live like you're going there. You've got to live the direction of your destination. There's going to be a few people who will find that. Jesus said in John 14, we just read... If you want to find my father's house, he tells his disciples, he says, just keep following me the way you've been following. The third thing that you need to know about heaven is this. It's how you will ultimately arrive there. (laughs) Everybody in this room, I'll promise you 100%, everybody in this room wants to go to heaven. Can you hear an amen? But nobody wants to talk about how you have to get there. I've said it before, I I want to go to heaven, but I'm really not signing up and waiting for the next train out of town. Everybody in this room, the reality is, though, you will die. We don't wake up thinking about that most days, especially the younger you are, you don't. The older you get, you're thinking, dear God, I think you'd rather take me than have to creak and pop and snap every time I take a step. But listen what Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says. It is appointed for men to die once, or for once to die. And after this, judgment. That time of death, that appointment, is not set by you. It's set by Him. That's one appointment that you don't make. He makes it for you. It's the only passage... Death is the only passage to heaven unless you are fortunate enough to see the rapture of the church take place when Jesus splits the eastern sky and He calls us up to be with Him in the clouds as Thessalonians tells us. But the reality of this is is that you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. And you need to know how you will ultimately arrive to heaven. You see, death is not soul sleep. It's not some type of your spirit, as Hollywood would show, coming out of your body, and then you just kind of float around, and you haunt houses, and you, you know, like, whisper things to people that you loved in this past life, and you just kind of, you know, you turn into Casper, the friendly ghost. You're just kind of floating around, and everything's over with. 
No matter what Hollywood tries to do, that's not what it is. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Let me tell you how this happens. Paul says that we are confident and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What's he saying? When I, ex- when I exit this physical body, I will be at home, at the place that he has prepared. I will be in his presence, at home with the Lord. What was Jesus saying? He said, I'm going home. That's what he told his disciples in John 14. Where are you going? I'm going home. You guys have to stay here. And when it's time, you can come home with me. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Every moment that a believer, someone who has been forgiven of their sins, who is living a holy, righteous life, whose steps are ordered by the Lord because they are good and they are righteous, at the moment of death, at that very moment, their spirit exits their physical body. The Bible says... They are immediately ushered into the presence of the Lord. Now, we have this confusion because it's the best way we can describe it. We think that they are physically in the presence of God. They are not. Their body is sown in corruption into the ground. The body of your loved ones are still in the cemeteries out there. People that I care. Their bodies, their physical bodies are out there. But if they knew the Lord, their spirits are in the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord himself one day will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What's he saying? The physical body will be raised. Those cemeteries are going to explode. Dirt is going to be thrown 50 feet in the air as the graves pop open and physical bodies are raised once again to life. Woo, what a great day that's going to be. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, and he says, In a flash, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And I love this. And we will be changed. We will be changed. Your spirit at that moment, what happens when you get to heaven Your spirit at that moment when the trumpet sounds, your spirit will immediately be reunited with your body. Boom! And that body will not be the same corrupted, sick, afflicted, disease-filled body full of arthritis wobbling around just getting along in this life. It will be changed, made perfect just like the body of Christ and your spirit will be united and you will be raised up to be with the Lord. The the corruptible will be done away with the incorruptible. The, imp- the perishable will be done away to the imperishable. The, the, the mortal will be replaced with immortality. And that's what you will be when you get to heaven. You'll pass through death. But my friends, you won't stay there if you know Jesus. Your spirit and body will be united again completely in his presence. That's what will happen. That will be an amazing moment. There's things that won't be there. There's few who will actually get there. 
There's a way you're going to get there. Number four on this guided tour is I want to tell you what you're going to experience your first day there. Now this gets me a little bit happy. When you think about the first day in heaven, <laughs> I want you to just pause right now and I want you to just start thinking about that first day. You've had a first day in a new home. You've had a first day in a school or a new job or a new house or a first day in a new car. My friends, there's nothing that's going to compare to that first day in heaven. The first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven and you come through those gates, you're going to say, I know mom's here, I know dad's here, grandma and grandpa, but I want to see him. I want to go straight to see him. I, don't, I know there's, there's pretty streets, and I know that there's all kinds of decorations. I know he said that he's built me a mansion. I know I've got a place at the table. But I just want you to know the first thing i got to see when I walk into heaven's glory is I want to see him. I want to see his face. I want to look upon the one who gave me life. I want to look upon the Lord of glory. I want to look upon the King Almighty. I want to look upon Jehovah. I want to look upon my Lord and my Savior and my, my God who reigns and rules forever. That's the first thing, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And then we shall see him face to face. Hallelujah. Friends, it's going to be worth it just for that moment. On my first day, I'm going to walk into heaven's glory and see him face to face. All these years that I've served Him. All these sermons that I've preached to the times that I've prayed. I'm going to see Him, friends. I'm going to see Him. Hallelujah. I'm going to see Him one day. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. On my first day, I'll be given a white robe, the Bible says. I'll be given a robe to wear. A robe that counts for glory. That declares the works that I have done in this life. I'll get to explore the city of New Jerusalem one day. I'm going to check out all the sites, the four gates made of solid pearl. I'm going to see streets paved with solid gold. I'll see a pure crystal river that's running down the middle of the main street in heaven. I'm going to get to see a mansion whose architect is the architect of the entire universe. That nothing will compare. It's going to make the Taj Mahal look like a thatch hut. It's going to make the White House look like the outhouse. When we see heaven on that first day, it's going to give us chills up and down your spine like it's doing me right now. You're going to see it and you're going to live in it. As Isaiah 33 says, your eyes will see the king in his beauty and you will, you will view a land that stretches afar. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to see it. I'm going to, my eyes won't even be able to capture. It's kind of like taking a picture of the Grand Canyon. You can't even get it. I can't wait to fill my eyes full of what heaven's going to look like. So let me just encourage you when things don't turn out so good down here, I want to just remind you there's a better place coming. You've got a better place coming. I don't know where you live or what you drive or 
how much money you've got or how nice of things that you can afford, but there's a better day coming because these challenges that life has handed you and the sadness that you experience in your life, the heartaches that you feel, they'll all be forgotten on the first day. (laughs) They're going to be forgotten. You won't even remember all those trials. You won't even remember the struggles and the pain and the heartaches. You'll forget them all on the first day. You're not going to remember them anymore. Just keep walking like Abraham. Just keep pursuing, as the Bible says, he, he pursued a city whose builder and maker was God. His destination was that city. There is a place for me, Abraham said. There is a place, there is a home. Get your eyes on that city. Because it's going to be also a place of rejoicing. Your first day, you better warm up your voice. You think we sing long in worship? You ain't seen nothing yet, honey. You ain't even seen the half. Paul said the half has yet to even be told. I can't even tell you half of what is going to see, of what we're going to do. There's going to be incredible rejoicing. Revelation chapter 5 verse 12 said in a loud voice they sang. This, this is this multitude of people. They sang, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. It's going to be no sad, gloomy down low tempo song you're not going right now we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying we're in the land of the dying that's going to be going to the land of the living we're going to be singing some songs we'll be shouting a little bit dancing and moving just like a few of you i saw you on thursday might need to loosen up and do some of that in church we'll sing the song death where is your sting death where is your victory For the Lamb that was slain has overcome. Your worst day in heaven will be no comparison to your best day on earth. Because here's what I can tell you. There won't be a worse day in heaven. That's what you're going to see in your first day. I want you to know that. Doesn't that just excite you? Some of you haven't been able to travel in a lot of different places. Let me tell you something. You're going to get to do some traveling. And you're going to see sites that no man has laid its eyes, his eyes upon and told you about. There ain't no brochure to print that stuff. Number five, let you know what you will receive when you get there. Revelation 22.12 says, Behold, I am coming soon, and look at this, and my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone, look at this, according to what he has done, what she has done. I will bring a reward and give to you according to what he or she has done. Now, he's talking to you and me. There's a reward, and it is not equity reward. Are you listening? He will bring a reward to each of us of what we have done. You see, heaven's not an impersonal place. You won't just get up there and get lost in the crowd. The Lord knows you by name right now, and He's not going to forget when He gets to heaven and has all those people standing before Him. He knows your name, and He also knows your works, and He will honor your works. 
with a reward. Revelation 19, verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made Himself ready. Fine linen. Underline that verse. Fine linen. What did I tell you a little earlier that we're going to get to wear when we get to heaven? A white robe. Fine linen. Bright and clean was given her to wear, the bride of Christ. Now let me just explain something to you. That fine linen, what that... What that symbolizes and stands for are the righteous acts of the saints. Those white robes will be given for the righteous acts of the saints. The robe you will wear will be made up of the fine linen of of, of the righteous acts that you do. Some robes will be very, very beautiful. They'll all be white. Some will be very beautiful. And hopefully others will have more than just a pair of socks on. What are you saying, Pastor? There's not equity in heaven? Oh, yeah. Just being in heaven is pure equality because you don't get there unless you know Jesus, unless you have a relationship with Him. But the rewards will not be the same. Now, listen. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that every time that you give, every time that you sing, Every time that you help someone in the name of Jesus, every time you change some little baby's poopy diaper back here in the back, every time you teach a class or teach a small group, every time you share the love of Jesus with somebody, every time you sign up out there for some type of activity we're doing at the church, every time you kneel and get on your knees to pray, you are stitching your eternal robe together. That fine linen is being woven into that that, that robe. So when you get there, you understand that you will receive a reward. You also need to know what you will feel when you get there. In this life, many people seek pleasure. They seek fame. They seek money. But they don't satisfy, do they? Some people seek power. They seek possessions and profits, a new car, a new house. They, they seek for a longer vacation. But you know, every time that I've been on vacation and I get home, guess what? I want to go back on vacation. Because that vacation didn't satisfy me. It didn't complete me. It didn't, it didn't make my heart say, wow, this is great. I don't ever have to do one of those again. Too many of us live our life, well, if I could just get this, or if I could just have that, or if I could just go there, then I would be happy and I, my life would be so complete. My friends, that is a lie of the world. Because nothing in this life can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can bring satisfaction to your heart. There's only one place that you'll find complete satisfaction, and that's in the presence of God. You're not going to find it in a group of friends. You're not going to find it at a party. You're not going to find it at a bar or a club. You're not going to find it in a relationship with somebody or the possessions that you have. You'll only find what you're looking for in Jesus Christ. Because after you close your eyes for the last time, and you open up them up as a believer, and you see the face of God, you will find satisfaction. So listen to me, saints, followers of Jesus, believers. That longing that you feel in your heart, that longing of trying to get somewhere in life, 
Listen, listen. That 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 urge, that 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 desire, that tug that you feel this morning of trying to satisfy something that you can't even put a name on it. Do you know what that is? That is heaven's call. When you go out on the weekend and, 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 you, and you find that you need to satisfy yourself, you're looking for, for something to feel what you I need relation, I need friendship, I need this, I, I need a good meal, I need all of that, that satisfaction that you're seeking, friends, it's just the temporary thing that's found in, in the world. But heaven is calling you. That's what you don't realize. Heaven is calling. That's the tug to come home. That's the tug home. What you feel right now. That's the tug home. That's the Lord pulling us saying, hey, I can show you what's satisfied. Just keep your direction and one of these days when you get to your destination, I will satisfy you beyond what you can even imagine that's the call of heaven the yearning of your soul to see him that's what you're going to feel when you get there is that satisfaction and i close with this daniel would you come regina would you come You need to know that when you get to heaven, you, you need to know how long you get to stay. There was a time when you were not. You were not. Not even the twinkle in your father's eye. You were not. But in history, there was a time when Caesar ruled. There was a time when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was a time when the United States was formed. And there was a day that you were born, and that's the day that you were. And on that day, I want you to hear me. Something happened in eternity on the day that you were born, you and I. A space was created in eternity. I know it's a hard thing to, to wrap your mind around, but a space was created in eternity. Because on the day that you were born and conceived and God breathed life into you, something special happened. He created a soul. Your spirit. And from that day on, for the rest of eternity, from the day that you were born, from that day on, from that moment, you cannot be somewhere. You cannot not be somewhere. That's what. You have to be somewhere because eternity has created a space for you. So when you were born, you became eternal. There will never be a place in time, a moment in time, when you will not be. That sounds highly philosophical, but really, it's really simple. You see, there's a destination out there, and it's not like, oh, plumber, businessman, married, all this. There's really only two options when it comes to life, really. 
Because we are not just... <laughs> we're not... temporary beings have an eternal experience we're eternal beings having a temporary experience you will be in one of two places heaven or hell god willing i'm going to talk about hell coming weeks you will be in one of those two places it's really simple there's only two options and if you can imagine a million years from now, it's hard for us to even imagine five years from now, but if you could imagine a million years from now and beyond, you will still be in one of those two places. Because you cannot not be somewhere for the rest of eternity. In eternity, Jesus will be existed because He had no beginning. But where will you be? Will you be in relation to Jesus as He's just down the street? Or will you be separated from Him forever by a chasm that you cannot cross and that He will not cross because of the decisions that you've made? Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, the Scripture says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I guess the most important thing that you could leave with this morning is that you need to know how long eternity will be if you're on your way to heaven that should make your soul happy but if you're not sure that should make you shake in your shoes and tremble a little bit because you cannot not be somewhere you will be in one of two places for all of eternity you get to choose because the steps of a good man are ordered and they will walk you straight into heaven's gates. It's been a busy week for me and my family. Married one off. Two more to go, praise God. Then I'm taking permanent vacation. No time soon, son. Sawyer, our youngest, was walking my grandmother to, down the aisle to be seated at Sydney's wedding this week. Everything was decorated so beautifully. My grandmother, who is 92, 90, 92, she and my grandfather are still alive. They, they were recognized at the wedding. They've been married for 72 years. <laughs> there was young people coming up saying, are you serious? We didn't know that it could last that long. 72 years. She's struggled with some health issues. Her mind kind of forgets some things. But as she pushed her walker down the aisle and my Son was on her left, and my grandfather followed behind as they entered that ceremony to sit on the front row. She looked over at Sawyer, and she said this. She said, oh, son, this is so beautiful. How beautiful this place is. She said, it kind of reminds me of what heaven's going to be. 
and I'm going there pretty soon. My son's like, I almost didn't make it down the aisle, Dad. As long as I can remember, my grandmother has had her destination set. And she's walked that direction all of my life. She is holding to the, to the truth that he has a place for her. That this life is just temporary. This is, this is a trial run. This is nothing but dress rehearsal for the real thing. I've been pointing people toward heaven all of my adult life for 26 plus years preaching the gospel of Jesus. And that tug you feel this morning, that's heaven's call. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, that's heaven's call. Heaven wants you and hell wants you. And here's the thing, you get to choose. Choose. And on this tour guide, I close. If you choose heaven, it will be worth it all. Let's bow our heads this morning. Worship team, I want you to come. Perry, come on. I want to pray for you. Don't be distracted by these guys moving. I just want to pray for you. If you're not ready to walk through those gates, if you would be denied access because of something taking place in your life, if your direction has been, has been, well, you know, I know my destination, but I'm going to get there the way I desire to get there. I'm going to do it on my own. Let me tell you, that is not how it works. When the destination is set, you have to allow Him to order your steps. You don't order your own. You don't find your way to heaven. You follow His way to heaven. So I just want to take a moment. If you're not ready for heaven, get ready right now. Just talk it over with Him right now where you are. If you're not ready, just work it out with Him. And Jesus, forgive me. Help me. Lord, I failed. I, I, I messed up. Lord, I... I'm not walking the way that I know that I should. I'm not living the life that I know that will get me to the destination that I need to arrive at. Lord, help me. Forgive me. Put me back on the right path. Help me to choose goodness and righteousness so that you can order my steps. That's up to me. It's my choice. Lord, help me to walk into the heaven. Help me hear and answer heaven's call. If you're here this morning and you're making your way toward heaven, I just encourage you today. Just ask the Lord to help you not to ever, ever give up. Get your eyes off anything else. I read the scripture in Colossians. Let your mind not be upon earthly things, but let it be on heavenly things. This life is just a warm-up. This is practice. This is a scrimmage for eternity. Get your mind upon heavenly things. Don't let the world distract you don't let the cares of this life deter you don't let don't let problems or situations or relationships pull you down keep your focus on your destination
and live it and walk it in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, today to make heaven our home. Help us, Lord, to live for the place that you have prepared for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.